G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Vision 180. Live different. Different. John McCart, the creation guy from creationresearch.net, is my guest on tonight's show. How are you tonight, John? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Glad to see you in the new year and look forward to Jesus coming again. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you always say. I love it. And you just went to Canada too. So yes, just and quickly, back, yeah, back tell us what back. you're up to there in, in okay, Canada. Okay, basically, de- well, no, I didn't do too much digging in Canada because it was covered with several uh, feet of snow, a meter of snow in some oh. places so <laughs> where it was a bit icy. But yeah. uh, we certainly did a lot of preaching, a lot of teaching. Uh, a lot of meeting with folks and uh, the the most joyous part was a couple of pastors who said oh when you came through this town last time 20 years ago I was a student struggling with whether the Bible was true now I know it and now I'm a pastor and I thought that's that's great that's real real reward and you were digging up thorns is that right fossil thorns yes yes we found some fabulous new fossil thorns and uh, the evidence that the rocks right from the bottom this is right down at the so called bottom of the geologic column um, there were no thorns until after Adam's sin, so those rocks did not get there. And this is way down below the dinosaur rocks, right? They didn't get there till after Adam sinned. Awesome. Well, John McKay is my guest on tonight's show, and I'm going to throw some questions at mm-hmm. you, as I always do. Five questions, which have all come from creationresearch.net. All right. So the first question that I found for you, John. So we have tailbones, mm-hmm. which is really strange because we don't have tails. Mm-hmm. So if we didn't evolve... Why do people have tailbones? Okay, well, tailbone is only a name that's been given to it since Charles Darwin's time, right? Before that, people didn't believe in evolution, right? People mm. find it hard to believe, but the scientists were basically creationists. And so the official name, even today for the tailbone in the botany books, sorry, the zoology books, is yeah. coccyx, meaning parrot beak. Because it doesn't even look like a tail, right? Ah. So therefore you find we don't have tails. If you look at a puppy dog and you analyze it, its tail pokes over past its backside, right? So Mm. a tail is technically a post-anal structure. Now yours is actually before your anus. Right. I know we don't normally talk about <laughs> words like that. On, yeah. So, so there is there is a, a, an interesting definition, and it, and yeah. despite the com, common belief that it does nothing, you're looking at the evidence it does something. Because I used to do a lot of swimming, and as my body began to try and catch up with my mental age, uh, I was down swimming a hundred meters one day, and all of a sudden, rip. And I, Oh, the pain was unbearable. I could barely Ah. move my legs because I'd torn the ligaments off my tailbone. And I discovered that it actually enables your muscles to function for your legs. So it's actually a point of attachment. You didn't evolve it. It's never been a tail. You didn't lose a tail to get it. We're not related to the monkeys, apes, gorillas, chimpanzees, or anything else that's got a tail at all. Many creatures do have tails, and they all use them and need them. We don't. We don't even have a tailbone. That's just popular parlance. It's false. That's awesome. John McCarthy, the creation guy from creationresearch.net, is my guest on tonight's show. Question number two. So it's in relation to Noah's Ark. Do mm-hmm. we 
have any evidence of Noah's Ark? Have we found it? Do we know where it could possibly be? Okay, when you say find it, if we found a big box-shaped boat sitting mm. up on Mount Ararat, the answer is no. All uh, right. <laughs> There's all sorts of stories about why we possibly haven't found the big boat up there, including one that says, what do you think they would have built their first buildings out of? Mm. Right? They use the boat, recycle, etc. Um, but in reality, we, we need to go one step further. The Bible doesn't say the ark landed on Mount Ararat. It says it landed in the mountains of Ararat. So Mount Ararat is the most popular one to look up. But having come from that region... As I've shared so often, when I was a non-Christian, one of the things that intrigued me was an article in a popular magazine that said mm. a Frenchman had found a big carved beam up on the side of Mount Ararat. Mm. And they used carbon-14, which is sort of spurious, but they said it, it can't be too old. It's got to be human because it's carved. And the Frenchman said, I think I found evidence of the ark because mm -hmm. the timber did not come from that region. And his argument to me made a whole lot of sense, even as a non-Christian. And I didn't have a science degree in those days, but I still think his argument makes a lot of sense. Have we found a big boat? No, not there, nor in any of the other mountains. But here's what we have found. Mm -hmm. Having checked with those who've been there, having checked with archaeologists, around the base of the mountains of the Ararat are the oldest archaeological systems with writing and stuff on it and symbols on it in the entire history of the world, right? So wow. people started out from there. Yeah. And the one that really intrigued me was a guy who here in Queensland was doing his doctorate on the evolution of parrots, mm. except he couldn't make sense of it because he said in the Middle East we have hardly no varieties of parrots. Then mm. the further away you go, the greater the number of varieties of parrots there are. He said there are three parrot families and they're all related to each other. They're not related to any other bird. We can't make any sense of it. And I said, well, try this. Noah actually took seven of each clean kind on. Clean mm. means they only ate plants. Parrots are traditionally grain eaters and nut eaters, so they're clean animals. One of the animals was sacrificed when he got off, so that left three pairs. True. Three <laughs> pairs. They've been on the same boat for one year. They don't want a first annual reunion. They want to get out of there as far <laughs> as they can, right? They can go True. in three directions. Mm. Uh, therefore, don't be surprised that there are three main groups of parrots, but the further away they go from the Middle East, the greater the variations will start showing up. Australia and South America have the biggest numbers of variations of parrots, but they're all parrots. Everyone knows they're parrots, right? Mm. And in the end, he said, hey, if they started out in the Middle East on a boat, that makes sense. Right? Mm. And it does, right? So there's all sorts of indirect evidence that has we, have we found a boat like that? No, we haven't. If you want to see one, there's a really good imitation up there on the border of Kentucky and Tennis and, and uh, Ohio <laughs> run by Ken Ham. Yes, the actual ark that you can go yeah. to. Ark Encounter, is that right? Yep, I think that's, that's what right. it's called. By the way, where is Mount Ararat for people oh, like Matt myself Ararat's who don't actually in, know? <laughs> in what we call modern Turkey. Okay, right, great. So it's one of the mountain ranges <laughs> in Turkey. Awesome. So this is question number three. Mm -hmm. Where do cavemen fit into the Bible? Okay. Cave. Cavemen? We know what a cave is. Cave's just a hollow in the ground of some shape, bigger or smaller. We know what man means. So obviously a caveman is any man that lives in a cave, mm. right? Now, we have them in Australia today. They're called opal miners, right? They build <laughs> whole cities and churches underground, yeah. right? And so by definition, they are cave men. But no one would call them primitive. Uh, when you go to the USA and you go along the, the rivers in Tennessee, you can see where they, the first settlers came 
and landed in their boats. There was no houses there, so they lived in caves. Mm. So by definition, they're cavemen, but only two years or three years earlier, their ancestors had left the cities on the East Coast, and their ancestors had left the big castles and cities in England, right? Mm. So they became cavemen by choice. So there are lots of cavemen in modern history. Where are cavemen fitting in? The Bible actually refers to them. Number one, when you look at the book of Isaiah, it talks about the rebellious youth who left society and went and lived in caves. Now, when you live in a cave and you cut yourself off from society, Mm. you may remember what they taught you, but the next generation lives outside of that society. And all of a sudden, you reduce everything to basic knowledge. The kids don't grow up with bricks. They don't grow up with glass. They don't grow up with anything. And you say, what a primitive society. Mm. No, they're still humans, but they're living in a cave culture. And if they keep going, they'll reinvent cities and reinvent houses and all that. It's happened over and over again. Mm. So you find the first cavemen are actually the result of people rejecting society and being kicked out by God and man. Awesome. That was a pretty quick one, actually. That was good. So the last question is, did God have to kill animals to clothe Adam and Eve? That was another question on creation research. Um, You will find that God could have done anything, including invent instant fur coats for Adam and Eve, right? (laughs) To put the story in context, Adam and Eve are created. Everything's very good. There's no physical or moral problems. They're Mm. naked. The man wouldn't lust after the woman. He wouldn't see evil. She wouldn't see anything bad about his body at all, right? So they had no clothes, mm. no bad sunburn problems, no freezing, no no nothing, right? It was a beautiful environment. Then sin comes in and it says God took skins mm. and he clothed Adam and Eve. They'd attempted to clothe themselves. Remember the fig leaf story? With the leaves. Yeah. So did they now, actually do that? They just oh yeah, they, grab they actually and... grabbed probably the biggest leaf they could find. Now yeah. some versions of fig trees have got huge leaves, right? So yeah. uh, they made themselves like little aprons with fig leaves <laughs> on. Obviously a strap to hold it there, but uh, it, it it didn't please God because mm. it didn't fool God, right? They were yep. naked now, naked morally, naked spiritually as well as naked physically, and now lust and everything else could become a problem. Mm. God actually takes skins. Now, as I said, he could have invented a skin, but in reality, he could have just called it clothing if he did that. But when he tells us it's the word skin, you know it's come from an animal. Mm. So the big and most important point that's always been made out here is Adam and Eve had sinned, but an animal dies, an innocent substitute. Right now, keep that in mind yeah, because Adam and Eve true. actually deserved to die. The wages of sin is death. Mm. Now, it wouldn't have taken Adam too long to figure out, hey, there's a principle here. I deserve death. The Adam, the animal didn't. The animal is a substitute for me. Uh, it won't last forever because skins wear out, right? So in his 930 years, Adam would have went through a lot of skins, mm. right? So he figured out that the animal is not a permanent substitute. We need a permanent substitute. Lord, this problem of sin, which is inside, which means we have to cover up outside, it's a lingering problem. Mm. And animal death doesn't solve it. And Moses and that, of course, killed animals for sacrificial substitutes too. But even they had to do it every year. And Mm. it's not until the Lamb of God comes, who's the permanent sacrifice, that that moral problem is even finally addressed in Jesus becoming our Savior. So make sure your sin is covered by the bloodshed on his skin. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming back in, John. It's been great to have you in. Good on you. 
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.